Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the VR1 NFT podcast. And I'm your host. We got a fun filled show, so let's go. Uh. Uh huh. Welcome back, baby. Welcome on. We're going to have a deep conversation today. We got a fun-filled show ahead of y'all. We're going to go deep. Uh, so holla at me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Greatly appreciate you um, taking the time to be here with us. As normal, I have a lot going on. I have a lot on my mind. And this is my way to truly ventilate, you know. When you're an artist such as myself, you don't want to air out your grievances online. You know, you may be susceptible to saying things that may not be cool a few days from now. You know, maybe when a person feels differently about a situation, whatever the situation may be. So, I'm going to make myself as comfortable as possible have a little bit of this background music that I can kind of monitor so let me fix my equipment because I am doing my yoga and my meditation and at the same time I am connecting with you guys so I'm in my my chamber you know Kind of like how Darth Vader goes into this chamber, right, to kind of, um, I guess, recharge his batteries, right? And I feel the same way. What I want to do is discuss that with you guys, you know? It's something that I want to touch base on. So... Let's get right into it. First of all, welcome, like I said. Um, I've been deep into thought. And I want to share with you guys something that I learned and that I experienced yesterday. I'm very emotional about it. I've been thinking very deeply about it. Therefore, I want to make sure I express what I want to express in the correct way. So we're going to go down in layers. We're going to go to the root cause and we're going to look for the diamonds in the rough. So here we go. So I'm online and I'm learning as usual because my world is the internet. My businesses are there. The metaverse is there. Um, I always tell people that this is the fake world. On the internet is the real world. So I'm a time traveler confirmed. And for a lot of people, that has different meanings, right? Um, the people that know, understand, and those that don't know will, will learn to know in, in, as, you know, as time progresses. So I'm online and I'm learning because at the end of the day, you know, I still have to manage my life, my personal life, and my business, right? My career as far as music and entertainment and 
technology and real estate and franchising. I'm into a whole bunch of stuff, right? So I like to multitask. You know, for example, if I'm doing one thing, you know, I'm educating myself. I'll give you an example. Um, on a lot of smartphones now, you can open multiple screens, right? So I can have a podcast playing while I'm reading my emails and I'm sending email responses out, for example. Um, sometimes I'm doing research, you know, I'm surfing the web. So I can watch a documentary about, uh, you know, whatever topic I'm, I'm researching on. So let's say I was writing a financial article and let's say something major happened in the in the stock market, right? I could literally be surfing the web, doing research as far as reading about the topic. Let's say I'm going to use it for my podcast, right? Simultaneously, I could be listening to a conversation about the topic. I could be watching a documentary about the subject, and I'm doing all of this at the same time. I'm still monitoring my phones, the fax machine, emails, texts. So I'm multitasking. Sometimes once I, you know, move on from the research phase as far as input uh, data to myself, right? I'm, I'm, I'm teaching myself just like an algorithm would, for example. Because humans are way more powerful than AI can ever aspire to be because it will always be second best to humans, right? And I'm a strong, firm believer of that. So if you didn't know that, there's one of the golden keys and one of the diamonds in the rough for you to have for free. Just for tuning in. So I'm doing some research. I have some colleagues in the music industry that obviously have a podcast. The podcast talks about marketing and branding and networking and music business a little bit, but mostly the music industry. Okay, some people are completely content playing the middle card, you know, just focusing on the industry while still attempting to do business. For people like myself, which are, you know, the talent, the creative types, like I create the music, promote it, distribute it, market it. I'm more on the business side because I know that the business side is a completely different world. And that's what we're here to talk about is those two elements and those two dynamics and how it's affected me at this point in my career because in this podcast, they are detailing the career of another colleague, meaning another artist in the industry. And this person is also an independent artist like myself. Now, every artist has fought their battles from inception, from the concept of I'm going to be an artist, I'm going to learn the business, and I'm going to penetrate the field, right, to play at the major league level, right? Well, these battles make for the greatest warriors, and it's only the greatest warriors that actually pull through. For example, in my, in my situation, I have a catalog of several thousand songs, several thousand songs i'm in the world's guinness uh world book of records i'm in the process of verifying that it's a very expensive process it takes a lot of time and i find myself in the same situation as many other things when it comes to 
the entertainment industry and in the entertainment business, as well as the music industry and the music business. You see, put yourself in my shoes. So you're fucking super amazing and you've accomplished this great feat. Now you have to go through their process so that they can verify you to the rest of the world. Where there's a million people just like us. Some are for sure shot winners. Some are not. But the only way to know is, you know, they have to sort through everything. Especially when you challenge a record. They're already going to have a predetermined guideline. And that guideline um, must be met or challenged or superseded in order for you to get uh, not the recognition, the certification. Now, once you get the certification, you might get a little bit of spices on your promotion, right? They might talk about you locally. They might talk about you regionally, everything else, right, et cetera. But that wave is very limited, right? So now you have to have a contingency plan. Okay, what am I going to do to continue to duplicate uh, this success, at the end of the day, there are over 8,000 records in music that I'm challenging. doesn't mean that I'm going to challenge every single one. It means that when you submit an application, they're going to match it in their database to those 8,000 records to see which ones were challenged, broken, or superseded. That's the first tier, right? And the process is way more complex than this. There are people that can explain it way better than me. I'm just a person that has been, you know, fighting for this for a few years now, right? Now, also, once they exhaust those resources, once they go through all the catalogs and they go through all the records and they're like, okay, well, not only has he challenged some, he's actually superseded some, so cool. We'll give him the verification for that. But wait. There might be new records that he's established. So now they're going to go through their due diligence to create those new categories. And it involves witnesses, which we'll talk about that in, in a different podcast. But basically, if I attempt to challenge or break a record, they need to have a verified um, representative uh, be there live. Or when they're doing research, they're going to reach out to your team, your staff, whatever the industry is, to verify, you know, as part of the, the process to, to, to make sure that what you're claiming can be validated by a group of people. So I use the good strategy. For my particular establishment, I planned an entire uh, marketing campaign based on unifying all of the schools that deal with music, arts, and entertainment, and drama, and, you know, things of that nature, to get them involved, to get the people behind this process while I'm waiting for verification, which we'll talk ab about in a different time because today's podcast is not about that. So to stay on topic and to stay focused, right? Um, I realize that that's not enough. If I just wait for them to give me the plaque that says you are a world Guinness book record holder, that's only going to go so far. I already see the limitation 
it'll be good for about three days to three weeks, maybe three months. Three months is like ridiculous. After that, you fall because of gravity. You fall because that machine is turned off and they move on to the next thing. No need to get upset at that. We have to see things for how they truly are, not for how we want to see them. Okay? So, I'm online. I'm educating myself. I'm running my business all simultaneously. You know, most of the time, I'm like on a Zoom meeting or I have a network conference with everybody that works for my company, etc. Everything from clients to business partners to colleagues, peers, you know, people close to me, family members. It's just a bunch of, you know, input, right? Everybody has an opinion. Everybody learns differently, etc. So, I'm supporting my friends that have the podcast. That's part one. I'm supporting their fan base, number two, because I'm tuned in. I'm part of the creation of this episode. Number three, I'm supporting my other colleague, which is also a friend and is also an artist. And, of course, he's connected with major, major people. But the key factor is he's an independent artist. So I use his situation as a case study to learn because I study the pitfalls, the downfalls of, you know, every single artist, record label, genre, time frame. You know, music is such a beautiful thing that there's so much that you can learn because whoever is in this industry, either as an artistic, creative type, an artist, or even a, a consumer, you know, a fan, a listener, etc. We're all engaged to this ball of energy that we call music and entertainment, right? It's something about our culture, the way we used to communicate back in the, you know, ancient times, etc. This is just the new version of it, you know, more colors, brighter, faster, more in your face at all times. It's, it's that kind of, of, of change, you know, it's, it's become something else. Now, Let's get to the actual podcast. So it was beautiful because everyone was allowed to flourish. Everybody was allowed to express themselves. No questions were below the belt. Nothing was too out of line. It was very fluid. Actually, it was very respectful as far as a interview. When you're an artist or even an urban artist, you know, you have to be careful because sometimes either the interviewee doesn't know how to deal with the interviewer. The person that's interviewing can ask loaded questions, could throw curveball. And, you know, a lot of times this is recorded live. And if the, if the artist has like a bad management, then, you know, it doesn't function because of the fact that you know, the artist may get emotional, may feel cornered, and may say things that they, you know, will find it very hard to correct in the future. So this is why for today's podcast, me personally, there were some things that I wanted to say and I thought about it before I started to record. And I said, man, what if I put this on Twitter? And I said, nah, that's that's probably not a good thing. Let me go on my podcast. Let me talk about it and allow myself a, a moment to calm down. So, long story short, 
this podcast is so influential and the elements within that I call my business partners to have a, a meeting about it. A meeting that lasted, you know, hours and hours and hours. At the end, I was still left with mixed emotions. And this is why we have today's podcast. So let me explain to you guys, step by step, what the podcast was about. And then I'll let you know what I think and what I feel about it. The reason why it's a case study for me, why I'm learning from it, is because this individual had amazing success in the music business. And as much of a success story that this person is, the industry turned the other way. They chose to ignore everything this person did because and only because everything this person accomplished, they did so on their own. So it's kind of shunned upon if you don't go through the slavery by attaching yourself to a major record label, which there's only three. Everything else is just the crumbles that fall in between the crevices. And shout out to everybody that's successful. I don't care how big or small your budget or your label is or your career. You know, if you do music and you if you have a love for it, there's 8 billion people in the world and you can connect with your audience. There are people just like you that think like you, talk like you and can relate to you and will connect with your music. Our challenge is only to find those people or, or that mass of people and connect with them. With a genuine product that comes from our heart, there's no way that a computer system, an algorithm, a program, etc. can substitute human connection. Because if I write a song about heartbreak and I'm on stage, you, you may not know who I am. You may not know my music, my career, or anything dealing with my song or my album. But maybe a portion of that song the lyrics, the melody, the chorus, the bridge, the hook, whatever it is, may connect with you. And once that connection is made, it is permanent. Another diamond in the rough for you, for free, just for having a coffee with us, or even a chai latte, or a tea with milk. Maybe you're drinking a vitamin water. Maybe you're drinking a protein shake, I'm sorry, maybe you're drinking a protein shake or a a vegetable blend, maybe you're drinking a VA splash, who knows. So, this person, as successful as he was, is still willing to share his blueprint, the formula that worked for him with the rest of the world. And the world purposely, or the vast majority, I should say, purposely pay no attention to it because it showcases the reality of this industry and this business, 
whether it's music or entertainment. So when I say industry or business, that's what I'm referring to, okay? So we set kind of like the, the standard, right? People rather have the fantasy, you know? They don't want to see a good movie. They rather see a good Hollywood movie. Colors, lights, special effects, big actors, big actresses, this, this, everything over, 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 over the top. They rather read a bad book from somebody that's famous than a good book from somebody that's unknown. And again, I have my reserved feelings about that. I'm rarely going to give you my opinion. But I also have to be neutral. And I have to see it for what it is. I understand that the reality is that I may have the biggest billboards all over the biggest metropolis, all over the world. But because I do everything independently, I will never get the recognition from the industry. It will always be very little to none. It will be very challenging to get other artists to vote for me to get nominated for a Grammy, for example. And that says a lot. That puts a lot into perspective because now you have to ask yourself this bewildering question. When we start as artists, we have this dream, you know, man, we're going to make it, everybody's going to love it because we're the greatest and everything's going to be good. With time, you realize that that's not reality, right? So here's the first question. Question number one, tell me what you think and tell me what you feel. You could do it in your subconscious or in your conscious, just in your thoughts as I'm speaking to you. So let's connect on a deeper level, right? Would you rather be famous or would you rather be wealthy? We can't attribute it to success because there are two different types of success. So the question becomes, is beauty truly in the eye of the beholder? What is your definition of success? Is your definition of success being famous and even rich? Or is your definition of success being wealthy, which is what is truly important? When you have a legacy goal that supersedes your time on earth. A legacy goal is beyond your lifetime. A legacy goal is beyond the next 12, 24, 30, 100, 2,000 generations. That's a true legacy goal. There was a famous documentary that showcased um, the heirs to the Johnson & Johnson empire this kid was so young you know they documented him through the junior high school and high school years because once he turned 18 you know the fortune completely gets turned over to this young man and i can only imagine what history has taught us there what was the mindset of the group of people 
directly or indirectly, that began this company, that broke so much ground and had the foresight, had the vision, the forward-thinking vision that one day there would be generations upon generations upon generations that would benefit from those sacrifices, that hard work, that dedication to say, no, if I have $100 million, I'm not going to spend it all. Because most wealth that is created is lost within two or three generations. There's a good example that Patrick Beth David, shout out to all my valuetainers, everybody from Valuetainment, um, but especially Mr. Patrick Beth David, who is a brother and a mentor for me, has changed my life in so many ways. He interviewed a gentleman, and the gentleman said, you know, I drive a Rolls Royce. My son drives a Ferrari. But my grandson will probably drive, you know, a Honda Accord or a Toyota Camry. And my great-grandson will be walking again how I started this company. Because... It's also important to have a succession plan. In this breakdown, and you guys can find it on valuetainment.com or on, on the YouTube channel, not the Patrick but David podcast, but the actual valuetainment. It breaks down the Bilderbergs, the Rockefellers, all these amazing families, why some lasted 500, 1,000 years, etc., and why some did not. And it gives you a lot of different examples. It's a great, great episode. Please dig through the crates and you'll find it. It's another diamond in the rough that you have just been granted. And it says a lot because what good was it for Elvis to be rich and famous and world-renowned when at the end of the day he left nothing to his loved ones. What good was it for Michael Jackson to fight and fight and fight over his catalog and in the end, the family sold it for pennies on the dollar? What good was it for Prince to be probably one of the greatest creators? I think if anybody comes close to Prince's catalog is me. I believe I have surpassed Prince's catalog. But in the end, he had no succession plan. No wife, no children. Catalog goes into limbo. It goes back to the property of Warner Brothers. Sony has hold of the ATV catalog and the Michael Jackson catalog, which includes the Beatles catalog and many, many others. When I started my NFT collection, which I am the first artist to put his entire NFT collection on the blockchain, his entire music catalog, not just the song, not just the album, a full catalog, you know, I started with, I think it was 42 million NFTs, then 75 million NFTs, and I'm way over 200 million NFTs by now. I have more. They just, they are programmed to be released in sequence, right? Throughout my life. That's how they're going to be released. Um, 
and of course, generations to come. This is where the legacy goal shit comes into play, right? Pardon my French, but my family is French and Spanish and Dominican and Puerto Rican and Cuban. So, what I ask myself is, what is the meaning? It's not just what is life, right? It's what is the meaning of life? It's not just what is this or what is that, what is up, what is down, left or right. It's more of what is the meaning of that, right? So let me put myself as an example. I come from a very special place in New York City. Everything you can imagine is part of this wonderland, right? From the most beautiful things, the most simplest things, to the most complex things, to the most horrible things, all in one place. Life is a constant balance. How do you maneuver through that environment growing up as a kid, you know, an adolescent, you know, a young adult, a teen, a preteen, excited, all the way to, to becoming an adult? A lot of it is the meaning that we give to things. I'll give another example of meaning. Anthony Robbins has a great lecture where he said that his dad at times used the wrong meaning. People from the churches would come and bring food for the holidays. And his dad's pride was bigger than the situation, bigger than the reality. His perspective was bigger than the reality. His family was happy, you know, what a great thing. These people are so nice. They've delivered, you know, groceries to our family for Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, whatever the case may be. And they were so humble and appreciative and happy, like, all right, we're going to be able to cook a Thanksgiving dinner or a Christmas dinner. The filter that the family was using was the reality. You know, they were going through some challenges, right? And they were thankful having received the blessing, right? The way that Anthony Robbins' father perceived it was, you know, I'm, I, I don't need any charity. You know, his mentality was, there's never enough. Nobody cares about anybody. You know, it's a doggy dog world which obviously was not the reality because the reality is a perfect stranger, perfect family, perfect group of, of the church or, or organizations open their hearts to buy a little bit of extra groceries and donate it to a center or a charity or a church. And when you have a collective of people that do that in the community, they are giving back to those that are less fortunate, right? Those people indeed. I come from that background, so I fully understand what it's like to really struggle and not have, right? Um, I think one of the hardest things, I don't know why, I'm still exploring the why, but one of the hardest things that a child can go through is to not get a gift for the holidays. You know, even if it's, a drawing, crayons, shampoo, conditioner, it could be a bar of soap, it doesn't matter what it is, but just a little something that they could look at under the tree 
you know, every religion and culture is different, but, you know, I grew up in a Catholic, you know, Christian home, you know, even though I am Jewish today and proud to be, you know, I still read the Bible, I still read the Torah, I still read the Quran, I still read Buddhist principles, so I'm more of a spiritual person, I'm a universalist, but um, I do follow the Jewish faith very closely. Um, I actually used to be Muslim um, during my developmental years, which is why I still read the, the, the Quran. Um, I find more, more similarities than, than differences with, with every religious text and culture because I'm more of a fan of history than anything else. So, what is the meaning of things? Alan Watts will say things in his lecture like the meaning is just to, to experience it. Because in order for this moment to happen, we both have to be conscious that we wanted this moment to happen. I believe culturally, this is where the theory comes, that you find in biblical text that everything is written. Because I do believe that the universe that we're sold, that exists outside of this realm, is really a reflection of our minds. I think everything you see in outer space is a reflection of who we are here on earth. A different topic for a different discussion for a different time. But let's stay focused here, right? In my neighborhood, in the hood, right, in the ghetto, you meet your best friend, but in the same place, you meet your worst enemy. That's what the hood contributes to you. It's always that balance. You have the good friends and you have the bad friends. You have the girlfriend that is decent and comes from a good family and goes to church and goes to school and works and has good credit and is a quote-unquote uh, goody two-shoe square, right? And then you have the beautiful, voluptuous, you know, showing everything very sensual, sexual, very aggressive type of female. Now, we all have a choice. What's the meaning? Do I go for the girl that I could build a future with, get married, have children, do it the right way? Or do I go for the short-term gain, you know, the pretty girl, the one that's pretty this summer and next summer, I go for the next flavor of the month, right? Everything is about the meaning. So in the beginning, I would think to myself, you know, if I ever make it, I'm going to drive my Lamborghini to my old neighborhood. I'm going to motivate the children. I'm going to motivate the kids. I'm going to, you know, hug old ladies and kiss all the babies, right? I'm going to be an inspiration. What a beautiful concept. You know, it's like making it, you know, in the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, right? Or maybe as a big movie screen actor or or some type of influencer or disruptor in the industry or field, right? With time, I realized that not everybody would perceive that in a positive way. Not everybody would gravitate positively 
or with positivity to an accomplishment like that because people feel that your success is their failure or their failure equates to your success, even though those two things are never correlated, okay? Give me one quick second, let's add another segment here. We'll be back in the New York Minute. And welcome back. So, although it hurts, like many examples that I gave you guys earlier, we must accept the truth for what it is. I've learned that from Mr. Ray Dalio. It's one of the principles in his book, obviously called Principles, where he talks about legacy goals, etc. We want to see things for what it is. Although it was hurtful, and this also happened during the growing years, like the developmental years, I grew to understand the why. Most people don't pursue their dreams. Most people don't try. And really, that's why they fail, because they're not willing to try because they're so afraid of failure. That failure becomes the dominant force in their life. Therefore, they produce failure because, you know, they're not thinking two apples plus two apples equals four. They're like, okay, negative apples plus negative apples give me nothing. In other words, that's the frequency that they're on. I'll never make it. People are going to laugh at me. They're going to ridicule me. They're going to put me down. They're going to this. They're going to that, right? So I understood that I had to see reality for what it truly is. I can't be upset at everyone for not agreeing with me, for not understanding what I understand. Um, for not embracing my accomplishments. I just had to accept it and now change my approach, change my perspective, and do things differently. Maybe I can be an inspiration when they read about me on the newspaper or when they read about me on the Internet or when they see me on TV or listen to me on the radio or listen to me on the Internet. It would no longer be because I'm driving my yellow Lamborghini Roadster with chrome wheels, white leather, and parking it in front of the church where we used to chill as kids. It hurts to accept it, but it's the truth. Everybody's not built for that. Everybody doesn't understand that. In fact, I could put myself in danger. There are people that would be so compelled to do something negative to me, to put me in danger or put me in a predicament just because I represent something of success that they were never able to attain or they feel like they never will be able to attain. Some people may feel that you're being arrogant or you're being cocky or you are showing off. They feel like they can't connect with you. They can't really talk to you because they feel like you come from this fairy tale, you know, Hollywood movie world and they're just in a regular job, in a regular school, living in a regular neighborhood, you know, wearing regular clothes, doing regular things. Notice how all those elements are far from what reality is. The reality is in the United States, 
you can go get an education. You can learn a trade. You can work your ass off and start at the bottom and move all the way up to corporate. People do it every day. The reality is anybody that works hard can develop credit. Anybody can save money and pay off their debts. Anybody can go buy the car of their dreams, the house of their dreams. They can open the business of their dreams. There's no if, ends, or buts about that. That's the reality. Although because of people uh, or let's say people's experiences growing up, their culture, their environment, their religious beliefs, the limitations of close family and friends, their own peers, have indoctrinated them into being afraid to be who they really are. Me being an artist, I'm really expressing to you what I really am, what I really think, what I really feel. I have no boundaries. Whatever I feel, I'm going to use to connect with people that are feeling the same. Whether it's through my poetry, my lyrics, the songs, the live performance, the merchandise, whatever way I can connect with my fans, right? And that's just one example. Now, that's just in my neighborhood, right? In my stomping grounds, how I grew up. You know, obviously, I lived a much different life many, many years ago. So some people from that background may feel that, oh, you know, look at this person now. You know, I remember everything we did back in the days and how we lived and how we grew up. And now look at this guy. He's giving seminars. He's a keynote speaker. He's doing TED Talks. He's on magazines. He's on the Internet. He's on websites. He's in movies. He's in films. He's in this. And they feel that you're still that same person from 25, 30 years ago. They will find any excuse to belittle you or view you as less than. And that's unfair. But it's the reality. I have to accept it. I may write a book that none of them will ever support or buy. Because I wrote it. Because, once again, they may feel that my success is their failure. Or they may feel that I'm showing off or I'm cocky or I'm arrogant. Or I'm too good, quote unquote, to be seen around them or hang out with them or even have a conversation, which is the farthest thing from reality, but it's the filter that is mostly used where I come from. You're not supposed to make it out. You're not supposed to get an education. You're not supposed to have a functional relationship that leads to a marriage, that leads to children. You're not supposed to open a business. You're supposed to, you know, take advantage of the system do what you can on the side and get over in that way. In other words, it's like you have to become a monkey clown for that environment in order to be accepted in that environment. And the years pass, 5, 10, 15 years pass, people are doing the same thing. 25 years later, people are doing the same thing. 50 years from now, there's a high opportunity that everybody will be doing the same thing. So when they see somebody that breaks through the barrier and goes supersonic, it becomes rejection by reflection. It's a defense mechanism to let the world know that you have gotten too close. Your success is too close to their failure. But we grew up together, but we, you know... Worked at the supermarket together, but we this, we that, we that. Well, I made a decision 
to follow my dreams and pursue my dreams. And I have the results that I do because I put in the hard work. This didn't happen overnight. I busted my ass for 30 years straight to get what I have today. You know, I'm only 40 years old. That means from the age 8, 9, 10, I was already with the mind state of a CEO, of an owner of a company, of a boss. I, I only speak boss. I only have a boss mentality. I've never known what it's like to be a worker or an employee. I've always been a business partner. Now, let's expand on that, right? Let's talk about the region. You know, I'm from New York. Let's talk about, let's say, my tri-state area or even the East Coast, right? What is the meaning or does it matter or should it matter that I've sold millions of records? I have platinum plaques all over my house, my office, etc. And I've generated millions of dollars. Never been nominated for any award. Never had any real recognition. Yet I can live the lifestyle of the fruits of my labor for the rest of my life and for generations to come. What's the meaning? Does it matter that the industry looks the other way purposely? Should it matter? Does it matter to me or should it matter to me? The answer is simple and I'm going to give it to you. This is another diamond in the rough for you walking with me. In this mental journey. I don't give a fuck. It doesn't mean anything to me. Because what's the reality. Is my family. Enjoying the fruits of my labor. And for us to live. This lifestyle outside of poverty. My goal was to get out of poverty. My goal was to connect to my fans directly. Without needing the system. Of a record label. And I accomplished those things. I have a catalog bigger than all my favorite artists. Will I ever be placed in that category? Whether it's for my World Guinness Records, you know, being the first on the blockchain with the NFTs ever in the history of mankind, whether it's uh, the amount of songs that I have, whether it's the amount of genres that I have, right? I may never be put in that category, but for me, the greatest part is that I get to keep my top four category of my favorite artists in my heart because they connected with me. And we're talking about Tupac, Biggie, Nas, and Jay-Z. It's hard to throw a fifth person. You know, I have to say like Jada Kiss or DMX, you know, but there's artists that I love like a Jim Jones, a Joe Bunnins, a Method Man, a L. Cool J, you know, and that's just... In the English language, there's a thousand artists that I like that are Hispanic or, you know, in, in different languages and different genres, etc. But this is to give you an example, right? You know, groups like Wu-Tang, Outkast, you know, Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul and G-Unit and N.W.A. I mean, the list just goes on, right? I'm happy paying homage to those artists that paved the way for me, even if I also have to support this new generation where some artists feel like 
our little bridge generation was um, skipped over. Because let me tell you something about my generation. A lot of artists in my generation paved the way for this new talent. A lot of them are legendary artists for other artists as well as people that really love music. You have those that made a lot of money and moved on to other things. You have those that had a huge impact but made very little to no money. But we are a special breed. We are the bridge generation. We built the foundation and the blueprint for these artists to do what they're doing. So our music sounds the way that it does because we're the generation that kind of woke up and said, yo, we could do it ourselves. Let's go. And now this new generation, although they may not fully follow the I'm going to be independent route, now they have a choice. Which for me is the greatest victory because, wow, man, I didn't really have a choice. I had to make a choice. Now these kids got a choice. So everything is progressing. So even though we went through ups and downs, how amazing is that? We got the mission accomplished. So for me to tell you that in my top four artists, right? Because I told you it's hard to name a top five. All of those artists taught me everything that I needed to know. For me to know that I have a bigger catalog than them, for me to be in the same, you know, conversation as like a prince, I can't say Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson had a few hundred songs, maybe a few hundred unreleased, and his rise to fame, other than the fact that he's the number one pop star ever, right, is the fact that he owned the catalog of so many records. So it puts so much into perspective. Like I had the pressure to be a number one artist my whole career. I had the debates with my own loved ones, with my own family members and friends of what constitutes the greatest rapper, the greatest singer, the greatest this, the greatest that. The industry can never harm me because the industry never made me. People in the media could never throw me a boomerang question, a loaded question, or even a fucked up question that I would be upset about because nobody has been meaner and more harmful and dangerous and and deadly to me than my own family. So I was forged in the fire. I was forged in the darkness. I was forged, you know, like a diamond, you know, extreme pressure and pain and being cut and polished and placed in the right setting, right, for the piece of jewelry to be valuable. So at the end of the day, I accomplished all of my goals. I superseded all of my mentors. As a mentee, I became the the master. And I learned the greatest lesson every time that I discussed these key concepts because this new generation will have not only myself, but I could tell you between 100 and I'm going to assume it's over 1,000 artists, at least from my generation that now... You know, they have podcasts, they've written books, they're doing courses online. And it's like, in my heart, I still feel a little bit bad that these people don't get the recognition. But it doesn't even matter anymore because now with the metaverse, with Web3 and everything that's happening on the blockchain, the people that are really seeking the music are going to be able to connect to it. 
And that's all that we ever wanted to do was build that bridge. So I also learned, this is me observing from the outside in, that I don't need to have a billboard in every major metropolis to be financially successful in music, number one. I don't need any awards. I don't need the industry. I don't need the recognition because at the end of the day, my fans love me and my loved ones love me and God loves me. So I'm good. I'm covered on all bases. The people that listen to my music, they may also listen to your music. They may listen to my music in a different way because I may connect with them on a deeper level. But it's like a mutual respect and a mutual understanding for my brand and what I stand for. There's so many artists that are like, yo, you know, I've done this, this, that, and the third. So I learned from it. I'm like, I don't want to sound like that guy. <laughs> I don't want to say, well, I've done this, that, and the third. The only thing I need to talk about is being the first on the blockchain with my collection. I did 987 songs in 2021. I did 2,600 in 2022. And I'm going on a worldwide tour. And I'm putting my catalog all over the world now with the tour, right? As the tour is rolling out, for the first time, this is like my my first worldwide tour. Like, not like the one I had before with a label or management. No, this one is like me. <laughs> my money, my music, my everything, right? So, it just goes to show you, like, it puts so much into perspective, like, I already achieved all of my dreams in music. If I stop doing music today, I'm going to be benefiting from my catalog for the rest of my life. And and when I looked at some of the metadata just yesterday, I realized how big the number was. Like, okay, whatever a major label will offer me now for a part of my catalog, just a part of my catalog, and put me in this bullshit slavery contract. But, you know, you got the instant gratification of, wow, I got the money up front. No. My catalog can generate that or more every year. So I am truly now, at 40 years old, completely free from the system. I know I'm not going to get the recognition. I know that I'm not going to be in that top five list. And it doesn't matter. Because my Lamborghini will have premium gas. And if I'm unable to put premium, I'm going to put a mix of ethanol and fucking um, regular pump gas. But the Lamborghini is paid for. The Lamborghini is brand new. The Lamborghini is zero miles. The Lamborghini belongs to me and my corporation. It's in my home and my estate for my family to enjoy. I'm not going to drive it every single day. Nor do I want to drive it every single day. That car was made for me, ordered for me, by me, how I wanted it, and that's it. It doesn't matter what the world thinks or says. I don't care about those things. I don't give a fuck about what the world thinks or says. What I care about is being able to have this peace of mind, to live in this beautiful compound, this beautiful estate, with my beautiful family, and enjoy the fruits of my labor. Performing live and and for the world, that's just going to be a whole different dynamic because I'm working on something right now that just changed everything. 
because, you know, at first, when I planned the worldwide tour, I'm like, well, you know, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it as a grassroots movement. Now I'm like, wait a minute. If the catalog is going to generate what we're projecting, it's game over. I got Yankee Stadium. I got Madison Square Garden. I got Staples Center. I got the Dallas Stadium. I got fucking um, the New Orleans Superdome. Do you know what that's going to do for my career? It's, this is, it's over. This, this was my dream all along. This was the dream. I said, I'm going to build my career to a point where I could just do arenas and not do small performances. And if I do the numbers right, it's about the same thing, except I'm not putting myself in that predicament at all times. So that changes everything. It literally changes everything. So now I have to like digest that, right? I have to process that. But the question still arises. What do you think and what do you feel? What I think about it is, I think that the game is rigged and it's messed up, but it's okay. I can deal with that. That's not a problem. I still need to do what I need to do. I can't get mad that the system is what it is. I just have to continue to operate outside of it. I don't have to be involved with the system like that, nor do I want to. I don't care about those things. Number two, how do I feel about it? Well, I'm human. I think it's messed up, but I'm still educated enough, disciplined enough to see it for what it truly is. So let's go. If, if in boxing, you got to fight 12 rounds and you got to put gloves on and you can't throw knees and, and elbows and kicks and headbutts, that's it. Those are the rules of engagement. It's 12 rounds. It's a point system. Okay? 12 points per fucking round. The more points I get, the better I win. I don't. I not only have to be the boxer, I also have to be the promoter. And at the end of the day, I'm building my own brand. Floyd Mayweather Jr. built his own brand. I get it now. We are on the same level. I'm just doing music. He's doing sports entertainment. But it was that same approach. It was that same sacrifice that he made that now the world gets to see and his family gets to enjoy. It goes back to the legacy goals of, I gave you the examples of not the Vanderbilts, not the Rockefellers, but let's go with the Johnson and Johnson family. They had a vision. They understood their worth, their true value. And the industry or the business or the field, that career field, couldn't dictate to them who they were and what they were. Walmart doesn't get nominated for a Grammy. I don't see anybody in Walmart complaining. Apple doesn't get nominated for a Grammy. I don't see anybody complaining. Um, Berkshire Hathaway. They're never going to get an Oscar award. Uh, Warren Buffett is not going to get a, a golden key to the city or, or whatever, you know, Miss Universe. You get what I'm saying? Like, it could be anything. I'm perfectly fine in my own skin. I'm perfectly content with my own career, what I've done. I'm a legend any way you slice it, any way you put it. And I live my truth every single day. Now, it's sad, but I can understand why everybody is not going to get their just due. Everybody's not going to be 
given this, oh man, you're amazing. But as long as you have love in your heart for yourself and a connection with the higher power and great people around you that love you and support you, that's all that matters. I don't have to do it for Billboard or Oscars or Grammys or this or that or MTV. I don't have to do it for none of that shit. Because when I'm driving that Lamborghini in my beautiful neighborhood, it's about me in the car. It's about what I've accomplished. It's about that little kid that sees it and says, that's my car. I'm able to inspire people in a different way. At the same time, I collect cars, right? I could drive an old car that only certain people understand why I even own an old car that has no air conditioning, that has no power window, that has no power steering. But they're all different and unique in their own right. So one day I could be driving my 356 A or B Spider Porsche, or I could be driving my 550 Spider, depending how I feel. One might be original. I might have a few replicas that I may drive with my family and my, my, you know, my friends. Just to give you an example, it doesn't matter because I escaped poverty. That was the goal. I was inspired by the pain that I felt and the pain that my loved ones felt all around me. All the people around me, they all inspired me to make it out, to do something greater, to not settle for less, to not destroy myself or self-destruct myself to go to school to work to learn business to try to work hard to fucking commit myself and put in the hard work every single day before I did my podcast I went on BandLab which I'm the biggest artist on BandLab check me out at www.bandlab.com forward slash Venomar1 and um, I had got a request to do three songs for uh, another colleague of mine there was one song I couldn't do because the, there was a problem with the instrumental, uh, which is the beat, the track that we record on. But um, I did two songs. I did one where I was, you know, a featured artist. I did a remix. And I did another one which I'm the main artist. It's still a remix. And then I was being assisted by my friend. So I did two records. And everything that I felt, that may have been out of context for the podcast or even for Twitter, I put on the song. So now when I recorded the podcast, I had a free-flowing state of mind. And the rest is history. Right before I started to record the podcast, my business partner sent me a, a, a message. I remembered quickly to turn off the notifications so when I'm doing the podcast, it doesn't it doesn't forward it to my digital platform, which can stop the recording and destroy the podcast, which, believe me, I've lost like five episodes, and it hurts to this day to even think about it. They're still in the drives in my archives, but those episodes were never released. And they're really good ones, too. So maybe in the future, I'll re-release them. So, you know, I'm very careful with everything that I do. Again, this colleague, who is supporting my other friends that own the podcast, is sharing his truth. He feels that his mistake was rented out the biggest billboards in the biggest metropolis for over a year. It hurt him at that moment that the industry 
turn their backs on his accomplishments, something that Jay-Z or Drake have never done. But it was also a bitter pill to swallow because the industry purposely chose to turn their backs on this person. There is no different situation for me. I'm going to be an even bigger success because I own my entire catalog, just like my friend. But my catalog is so much bigger. So I have more tentacles to achieve success. And it just goes to show you, man. I spent so many years trying to teach or explain it to the wrong people, including family and friends. Let me tell you, this is how it works. Let me tell you, this is how it works. Don't believe what you're seeing on television. Don't believe what you hear in the radio. Don't believe what you see online. It's all rigged. It's all a fixed system. The industry went against this artist because although the industry does the same thing because they are in business partnerships with other entities such as the DSPs that host the music, right? When an individual does that, all they can do is close the doors. No Hollywood parties, uh, no industry shakers, no award shows, no red carpet, no recognition. But at the end of the day, does it truly fucking matter? Not to me. I don't give a fuck. I got the biggest catalog of music, period. My music speaks for me. Everything I feel and think is in my music. I'm able to generate, you know, millions of dollars. God willing, got first with this music. That's it. Peace and tranquility for my family. That's all that matters. Now I can go shopping. I'm going to get a few presents for myself towards the end of the year, beginning of next year. For the first time in all these years of my career, because I own my brand. Throughout the years, I went through different perspectives of should I work with a label, should I not work with a label, etc. Now it's like I achieved my dream. Like Now I know the formula's there, I have everything else that I need. Like, it's just next level. Like, you know, it's just going to be incredible, man. And I already have, like, a contingency plan. I already know how I'm going to maneuver through this uh, industry. So it just goes to show you, you know, again, the question and the elephant in the room is, what is the meaning? For me, it's more about now I can share with my loved ones what I've been saying all along, but they're going to hear it from another artist. So it's more about now they finally understand what I've been saying all along. You know what's funny, too? I found another artist. Of many, because now you know what I'm realizing? A lot of my friends are artists like me. Like, yo, we're multimillionaires. We've been doing this. 
and everybody acts like they don't know. And it's like, it's the inner joke amongst us because it's like, we don't give a fuck about that shit. Like, we don't care. That was the whole point. I don't want to be anybody other than Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is known for business. He's not known for controversy. He's not known for media. He's not known for anything other than being an excellent businessman, an excellent mentor, an excellent teacher, and genuinely a good human being. He's not getting a fucking Miss Universe award. He's not getting an Oscar or Grammy, nor does he care. Why should that be important? That's like Steve Jobs saying, you know, I want to get phone of the year award. Do you want to get the phone of the year award or you want to create the iPhone, which is the best thing since sliced bread? That's the reality. None of this could be possible without technology. You know, I was excited when I decided to make uh, digital cassettes and DVRs and Blu-ray CDs and DVDs and, and still pressing up vinyls and my CDs. Like, I'm like, yo, this is fucking awesome. I'm going to be able to do this with my own music. Just to give you an example, right? Just to like, you know, now with everything being digital, it's like, I know what my work is and it's cut out for me, you know? It's having your due diligence with your your ASCAP and your BMI and your publishing and having everything linked to your website and, you know, I had an opportunity with Apple Music for a record label. Apple Music asked me for 20 masters, which, of course, I got thousands of albums, so that's not a problem. But I realized, you know, I'm thinking, well, if they give me a better deal than what I can get directly from Spotify, Tidal, etc., I'll go for it. Now, with this newfound breakthrough in knowledge, it's like now I can really take this to another extreme. So my career has continuously evolved and it has changed and adapted with, you know, the current times. Actually, one of my business partners said, yo, you know, in the last few years, you know, you're you're back up to date. And I'm like, no, I've been working on this my whole life, right? But again, what is the meaning? I already had it in my marketing strategies, right? Like in my videos, you're not going to see a Ferrari. You may, but that's not going to be my signature M.O. You, you're going to see a Toyota Camry. You're going to see a Honda Accord. I'm not going to have beautiful models in every single video. I'm going to have regular people, regular actors and actresses. My backgrounds are not going to be sets. They're going to be filmed on location. It's just little things because I really am for the culture. So, like, if I'm going to give you a scenery of downtown Miami, it's going to be a real scenery from downtown Miami. It's not going to be digital, computerized. It's not going to be in a studio background or whatever. You know, if I record a video in Argentina, I'm going to use talent from there. Models, actresses, dancers, wardrobe people, etc. Because nothing can make it more genuine than for me to make a love song in Paris, France. What would make it better than that? You understand me? Just think about it. You know, if I do a video where I'm talking about sports cars, 
what better place to film it than Italy or Germany? And and the list goes on and on and on. So, in conclusion, although I'm still reflecting on this dynamic, like I said, I found, you know, easily five to 20 artists just like me, super successful. You know, if we don't give ourselves our recognition, our own props, quote unquote, nobody's going to give it to us. And that's perfectly fine. You know, true success is not about your neighbor saying you're successful or your cousin or your family or whatever. True success is about being successful. True success is doing what you love and, you know, being able to to sustain that lifestyle. Doing what you truly love. Meaning that the true win is the fact that if you do what you love and have a passion for, you'll never work a day of your life. So every day is another challenge, but you know that in the end you're going to win the race because you have the right tools. You have, you've built the right prototype. You have the right engine, transmission, you know, the right downforce, the right aerodynamics, the right computer systems, the right electrical systems. Like you have everything in place. So I'm perfectly fine with taking a weekend and taking one of my sports cars and driving to the beach because everybody has access to the same waves. I don't mind taking a cruise to a beautiful part of the world or the country and taking my wife out to dinner. I may drive a really nice car that day. I may drive a regular car. I may drive an older car or a new car, but the most important thing is that I'm driving. I'm living my dream. I could look at every car in my car collection and say I did it all with music. Everything in my real estate portfolio, I did it all with music. Every franchise that I'm involved in, I did it all with music. What is it that I truly love? It's music. I would do it for free. I did it for cheeseburgers. So now I'm finally going to get steaks. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? How is that a bad thing? I have my own family members that are like, oh, you, you fell off. You're a thing of the past. I have family members that say hurtful shit like, you're too old. You have a beard now. And it's like, are you hearing the music? Do you see what the competition is? doesn't exist. I have my own lane. I can show love and appreciation to all the new talent, all the legendary talent. I can learn from both and continue to do what's in my heart. No amount of money in the world could change that. If I want an Oscar, I'll order one. If I want a Grammy, I'll order one. It'll be symbolic to me because it doesn't mean nothing. You know what means something to me? Those platinum plaques. Those songs in my catalog. <laughs> you know, being able to travel the world with my family. And it's okay that in certain parts of the world, they don't know me. I like that. I can visit. I can walk amongst, you know, the people. 
and I can enjoy the true fruits of my labor. At the same time, when I go perform in a new market where other artists don't even think about, that initial connection is worth everything because there are people from all over the world that can relate to me and have faced similar challenges. Maybe not in music, maybe they do something else. But the true meaning for me is that none of that shit matters to me. It's just not important. And I refuse to be the artist to say, and they never nominated me for a Grammy, and I never got nominated for an Oscar. Shit, they're lost. Because I have records that if I really wanted to be cocky and arrogant, I could say, yo, this record is better than that record, but you don't want to nominate me. I know why you don't want to nominate me, and that's okay. I don't need you to nominate me. I nominate myself. I don't need you to sign me. I sign myself. I don't need you to support me. I support myself. I don't need you to love me or tell me I'm proud of you. Good job. (laughs) I tell my shit that every single day. The people that love me and care about me tell me every single day. It doesn't matter what you say about me or think about me or whatever. Just know the Lamborghini Reventon is orange and I have a yellow one on the way. And it's mine. And I want a black one too. I don't know if I'll trade in my other two. Because the orange is the launch color. But that's it. You know, when I'm looking at an estate from my family and my loved ones. I don't necessarily want to move to Beverly Hills. I don't want to be in New Orleans. I don't want to be in New York or Miami. Maybe I want to move to Arkansas or Kansas or Delaware. Fucking North Dakota. Maybe I want to live in Canada or in the Middle East. Maybe I want to live in Europe. Maybe I want to live in Central America. Maybe I want to go vacation in Antarctica. I don't know. The world is my stage now. If you would have told me 20, 30 years ago I was going to have the power to choose that, I would have thought to myself, man, I would have been so, you know, amazed. Now is my reality. I no longer have to fight that battle. I have no dog in that race. That's like beating on a dead horse. What are you going to do? I'm going to go to every interview and say, yo, and this guy wouldn't interview me in 1993, and he wouldn't interview me in 2003, and he didn't believe in me in 2013, and now in 2023, I'm fucking Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, and Wolverine all in one. Nah, there's no need for that. Let the music play. You might travel somewhere, you know, in the world where you would never expect to hear my music. And you might walk into a place or walk by a neighborhood or a business and hear my music playing. Take the pride in knowing that I own that music. That I performed in that place. That I connected with those people, regardless of what your culture is or whatever. And that was the dream, to be able to do it. So now I can finally enjoy it. Or you might see me in Monaco, you know, with a Lamborghini or Ferrari or Pagani or Koenigsegg, and I'm just having lunch with my wife. I may be on my yacht in the water with my family, listening to music, reflecting, just looking back like, wow. Took a long time. Took a lot of hard work, but I did it.
And listen, there's 8 billion people on earth that we know of, right? I'm going to double that number. Probably three, four times that amount. So it's okay if everybody doesn't know me. I don't have to be fucking um, famous like, you know, whoever, you know, the most famous person you could think about. You know, I don't have to be Richard Branson or fucking Warren Buffett or Elon Musk. Like, they could keep all that bullshit. It's okay. I know who I am. I know my value. I know my worth. I know what I bring to the table. I don't need to be interviewed by David Letterman or Jay Leno or Conan O'Brien or Jimmy Kimmel or uh, uh, what's his name. I interview myself. (laughs) It's okay. You don't have to feel like I'm the best artist. You don't have to like all of my albums, all of my songs, but I hope you like one. I would be very happy if you liked at least once. And if you streamed it a few times, I greatly would appreciate it. So, it's not just life, it's what's the meaning. For me, it was always about building wealth, generational wealth, legacy goals, escaping poverty. Once I achieve my goals, I'm probably going to educate. I see myself with my magazine, with my radio show, um, putting together films and television and series. And designing a bunch of cool stuff, not only for merchandising, but for technology. Like, that's, to me, that's retirement, but in a different way. Because now, all my songs are becoming movies. So, it's like, (laughs) I can't wait to see where that's going to take me in the future. You know? So I want to thank you all for tuning in. I'm so happy now that I was able to capture what I was feeling because this is more for personal development than anything else. Remember, I always wanted my podcast to be conversation style. I always wanted to connect directly with you guys. And I didn't want to do it through Twitter. You know, audio is the quickest thing. I'm not going to type there. And I feel this way because this... No, I'm just going to sit down and talk to you. We're all equally the same. God made us all special and unique. I'm not above anyone, nor am I below anyone. I'm just a man that pursued his dream as a young kid and was never afraid and never looked back and never took no for an answer. I never let any obstacle stop me. It may have slowed me down. It may have taught me a valuable lesson. But I never stopped learning. I never stopped asking the questions. I never, you know, decided I was going to be uncoachable. If there's a book I had to read, a business class I had to take, a course I had to take, whatever I had to do to learn this business in this industry, I did. 
Whatever I had to do to develop my talent, I did. Studied business, studied psychology, studied worldwide trade, limited liability corporations, accounting, business finance, business administration, you know, computer science, computer engineering, and I could keep going and going and going and going and going. And you know what? I'm still learning. Thank you all for your time. God bless you all, and we'll see you on the next one. I love you guys. I really do love you guys, and I really appreciate you all. May you conquer everything in your path today. May everything that you touch turn into solid gold and flawless diamonds. Always remember to dream big because dreams come true. It happened to me, and I know for a fact it's going to happen to you. See you guys on the next one. God bless.